Welcome to the Brinkman Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about the audio drama, The Brinkman Adventures. We go behind the scenes and speak to the actors and the writers, the missionaries, the people who live the stories, and get deeper into what we're actually talking about in the audio drama. So we're so happy you've joined us. I am your host today, Sarah Boltman, in for Eric Schilder. And I have, again, a special co-host, John Reinhardt. Thanks for joining us. It is so fun to be here. It's been so fun. We had a great time talking last um, with John Bechtel and just had an, an amazing time getting deeper into his stories, and it's been a blast. So, well, and we should say that John Bechtel is actually John Benty from the Brinkman story. So that's most right. people will be familiar with him as John Benty. The episode we're going to be looking at is one of the stories that we featured on him, and this is from season three, actually. And it's called Acorns and Oaks. And it talks about Pennington. You get to hear about Mr. Pennington, which I'm sure I you... I love Mr. Pennington. <laughs> he's so annoying and so cool at the same time. He is. And he's the he's the most obnoxious. And yet at the same time, he you, you get to see him turn. I mean, his yes. crabby little heart. And he cracks and opens. And it's just beautiful what happens. Even in this episode, it's kind of going on. And, and at the beginning of this, you see he and Miss Bernice come together and meet each other for the first time. And it's so funny on Seasoned Harmony. And in the middle of that, this missionary, John Benty, who's John Bechtel, really, they get influenced by his story. And this story that we're going to talk about is a real story that happened to John Bechtel. So let's play a clip before I get ahead of myself and kind of hear a little bit of that episode. So Josh, go ahead and roll it. So we went to Plan B. We looked at buildings that were for sale. Eventually, we found this nice orphanage that was closing down, and we asked the orphanage board if they would give it to us so we could use it for the camp. Give it? They said it was worth well over a million dollars and that there was no way that they could give it to us. (laughs) So we asked again. While we waited for their response, a good friend from America dropped in on us. You're right. This place is ideal for a camp. I have an idea. As you know, John, I'm a businessman, and I'm good at fundraising. I'll tell people about this dream, and I promise you, we'll raise more money than you need. A couple of months later, I got a letter. Dear John, I talked to a lot of people about your camp idea, but only one person donated. Here is that gift and the accompanying letter. Your friend, Phil. So I sent the gift and letter that came with it to the orphanage board and asked if they would sell it to me for that amount. And did they do it? The board was so touched by the letter they accepted. Oh, that's fantastic. What did that letter say? It said, Dear Mr. Benty, today at church a man talked about how you want to make a camp. He said it will help kids in Hong Kong find Jesus. Here is my ice cream money from last month. Please use it to buy the camp. Love, Melinda. How much was it? One dollar. One dollar? That's amazing. I love that story. One dollar. Why am I tearing up over here? (laughs) I know. One dollar, and he buys a camp. I mean, this story is incredible. Let's let's talk to John himself. John Vectel, thank you so much for joining us. I'm glad to be here. We are amazed by that story. You know, you think about it. It was that board, you know, it was that board who read that letter that said, buy the camp with this money. And God just probably spoke to their hearts like, what are we doing? What are we doing this for? John, can you tell us a little bit more about that moment? What happened? It's very interesting. They just built a new building on the property. And it's a big piece of land in Hong Kong. 
Just to give you an idea of what land costs in Hong Kong, when my father came out of the uh, Japanese prison camp, he bought a house for us to live in and have missionary kids from around China live in. He paid $18,000 for the property. Just after Christmas this year, the same property, two doors up, same size, same building, sold for $422 million to a man in China who had not even seen it. So you know how much it costs for land in Hong Kong. Wow. And I was given a price that was astronomical to buy this orphanage, and I got this letter from Melinda. And I was insulted that this man would send this letter with the dollar. He got the letter, sent it on to me. And I thought, this guy's crazy. He's a millionaire himself. He could buy this place. He sends me this letter with a dollar in it from Melinda. You're kidding me. I went to the guy who who ran the orphanage, and and I said, I have the money. And he said, you have the $400,000? Where is the money? I said, it's in my pocket. He says, you have 400 and some thousand dollars in your pocket? No, but I have enough money for this facility. And I gave him the letter and he read it. He laughed. I said, don't laugh. This girl's serious. She wants to buy the place. <laughs> and he, he said, I'll send it to the board, but this wow. is crazy. Blah, 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 blah. Wow. Sent it to the board. The board wrote back and said, that girl's faith has bought her the camp. Wow. Wow. I went and spoke in Orlando. After that, in a big church. And when it was over, this girl comes up to me and says, Hi, Mr. Bechtel, I'm Melinda Holmes. I said, You're kidding me. I wow. told the pastor, Go out and get everybody back in this church. They get, the girl I just talked about is here for crying out loud. That's amazing. So they went out to the cars and got everybody back in. And I got her up there, shy as anything. She told her story. And I said, Hey, folks. Why don't we take an offering right now and let her go see what her $1 bought? I got enough money in that offering to take her, her mother, her sister, and the British Army to <laughs> Hong Kong to see this camp. Wow. When we walked into the camp, my wife's on one side holding her hand, and I'm on the other side holding her other hand. She's 14 years old. I said to her, oh, what do you think now? She said, oh, this is wonderful. She says, I never knew I, my ice cream money dollar would buy any place like this. Wow. And, That's incredible. And the Hong Kong government, people go there. I, I met and spoke with RZIM to the Hong Kong government Christians, mm-hmm. who are the top people in the government. There were 10 of them. The top person is a Roman Catholic Christian, and the rest of them are Protestants. And every one of them had been to that camp, and four of them, who were the top people in Hong Kong, had come to Christ in that camp. Wow. And we've written down the camper days. It started in 1971, and a camper day means one kid in the camp for one day. We've had 2,728,956 camper days, and 153,931 have accepted Christ since its inception. And I spoke in California recently, and a young lady, a beautiful young lady with a baby in her hand came up to me crying. And I, I said, are you upset about something? She said, no, I found Christ at that camp. Wow. I meet people all over the world who came to Christ at that camp. One more thing. I went to Paris. I went to a Chinese restaurant. The guy came out. I started speaking to him in Chinese. 
He said, where'd you learn that? I said, I lived at a camp in Fanling. He said, is it Sundo camp? I said, yes, it's Sundo camp. He says, that's where I came to Christ. He said, just a minute. He goes, he gets the cook in Paris, comes out and the cook says, you're from, you started Sundo camp? I said, I did. He said, that's where I came to know Jesus. What would you like to eat? I said, whatever you cook. I had a five-course dinner, and they wouldn't take any money for it. Wow, that is amazing. That girl never even, you know, she would never guess that her $1 would do that. And what I like about Melinda's note is she didn't say, use this $1 to help buy the camp. Buy it. Buy the camp with this $1. And you took her very literally and <laughs> went for it. Her mother told me that it was a great sacrifice for her to give up that dollar. Mm. And she prayed. Even the little girl prayed that God would use this dollar. Wow. Boy, he's good. He, Faith he's, like a child. He, he's used it. Talk to the kids today here in America. What can we learn from that? You can learn from that something very simple. God can do anything. And if you put stuff in his hands, he knows what to do with it. And you put your life in his hands, put your money in his hands, put, put, put whatever you got going in his hands. He can use it. He can use it enormously. I could give stories all day about how God has used kids in places where I've spoken. And I've been a little funny and they've come up and talked to me and said, I want to be a missionary. And they've gone to be missionaries and I've gone to see them as missionaries. And they tell me, I became a missionary because you got up there and made it sound like fun. <laughs> and, and you made it sound like we have a great opportunity. Yeah. And that's why I'm here in Sierra Leone for crying out loud. Uh, God wants to use these kids. Yeah. I think the greatest thing is, is the Brinkman stories that bring kids to Christ and tell them what's going on in the world so that they can dedicate their lives to getting out there and keeping it going. Yeah, I think that's so neat. And if you are listening and you're a mom and your kid, you know, get them excited about this. It's easy to do. I mean, there's so many ways to make money, save money, just collect anything and and get them excited about that because it will change them too. You know, I mean, if you start putting your money somewhere, that is where your heart's going to follow. Here, here's my one thing. When missionaries come to your church and you have kids, invite the missionaries over to your house. Yeah, that's good. And let the missionaries talk when those kids can hear. And these little kids, you know, you think they're not hearing anything, they hear everything. And it makes an impression on them. I have people on the mission field now whose houses I lived in, and they said, you were a different missionary. You were enjoying it and had a good mm -hmm. time and told us about what God is doing. That's why I'm here now in, in Nairobi, one of them. Hmm. And, and, and God uses young people in a way that he can't use anybody else. These young, young hmm. people can go witness. They don't care what anybody thinks about them. Mm -hmm. They'll just tell them, you need to know Jesus. Mm -hmm. and, and those kind of kids become the best missionaries. That, that's such the unique thing about Jesus in the stories of the Gospels. As you're reading Scripture, it's the disciples are trying to keep the children away. Don't distract Jesus. He's a busy preacher. He's got lots to do. And Jesus is saying, let the little children come to me. I love kids. And he's blessing them. He's praying for them. He welcomes children. I mean, that's part of why we're here with Brinkman Adventures. When I was a missionary for 17 years, I had a mailing list of over 50 kids in whose homes I had stayed. I sent them postcards from all over the world put a stamp on them and said, I love you. Keep praying for me. Those kids grow up and they remember that. And they're, they're people who give the missions. Now I see them all over the place. You sent me postcards when nobody else did. Get the kids in. We need them.
Yeah. And I think, too, if a child walks in that faith, it encourages adults. Yes. I remember seeing when I was in, in my 20s and I was having a hard time, and my nephew, who I think at the time was six or seven, he came up and prayed for me. This little kid, and I was struggling with my faith at the time. I was like, is God even real? I don't even know what I'm doing with my life. This is I was very in a dark place. And this little kid came up and prayed for me in, in church. I don't know what was on his heart, but he just came up and he just prayed and prayed. And that prayer meant, I mean, I still cry when I think about it. That prayer meant so much to me. So I totally agree. When children listen to God and say yes, and if you're young right now listening to this, Say yes to God. It's it's such an exciting adventure. Yes. And you never know what it's going to do. You could do powerful things like Melinda. Like, this camp is huge. It's done so much. So Let me me say this, too, because it's powerful as a kid. Like, kids have money. Kids work. Kids occasionally get jobs and things that they can do. And and ice cream is a good thing. Kids like ice cream. But what's better than ice cream? 153,000 people coming to know Jesus. <laughs> what, do, what do you want for a dollar? That's a pretty good investment. And to think that Jesus yeah. said for us to store up treasure in heaven, not yeah. on earth. And we that, that's not just limited to adults starting that. Kids can start storing up treasure in heaven now yeah. with giving their money to missions, yep. to their church, to special projects, to the poor, to people in need. Jesus is willing to take that, just like the little boy's lunch in the feeding of the 5,000. Amen. Right? Five loaves, yeah. two fish feeds 5,000. I think Jesus loves that. Yeah. I say the kid took some of those loaves home and said, hey, mom, you won't believe this. And mom didn't believe it. <laughs> you know what I, I also love about this story? So it's called Acorns and Oaks because the acorn is the little guy. You know, he's tiny and there's so much potential in there. And the oak is that huge tree. And you hear Pennington at the end of this story just struggling because he thinks, I'm done. There's nothing left for me. You know, I'm washed up. I've, I'm, I'm old. I can't do anything. And this story, you see him turn, and at the end, he's like, hey, I'm going to go with Miss Bernice to jail and talk to these prisoners. And he becomes alive again. And I, what I think is so special is, John, you are talking to us here. I mean, you were born, what year were you born? 1939. 1939. You're, you're traveling, doing things still with your life. And I think a lot of people may be even listening to this, saying, well, I'm not young anymore, and I'm, I'm just, I can't travel much. I can't do much. What would you say to them? Ravi thinks I'm 40. <laughs> I'm running all over the world. I feel great. As long as I can walk, I'm going to serve God. Yeah. I'm not going to go plant posies until I have to. Yeah, so I think the beautiful thing about this episode is, is showing anybody, you know, a child who has just a dollar or a person who feels like, you know, I'm retired and I'm not useful anymore. I'm just doing my yard, you know. No. No. I live in a retirement facility with 2,800 people. They're so busy you can't get an appointment with them. Mm-hmm. They're doing everything. They're going on trips out to to help hospitals. Wow. They're, they're going and cleaning up places yep. and doing – they're doing stuff all the time. Yep. Don't give up. That's right. You're not old for crying out loud. Keep going. And there's finally time because when you're raising your kids, you're just so busy. Yes. And finally when you're tired, you have the time to do it and, and all the expertise. These people, all these people say, it's time for you to stop. Right. You're 80 years old. I tell them, well, when you're 80, you'll just be sitting in a chair watching television, not me. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to keep going till my nose bleeds. <laughs> And I think that has been such an encouraging thing about your life and about, you know, I love that about God. He he takes the things that we think are little or I think maybe all of us feel like our offering is little. I think maybe that's yeah. just a human condition. Yep. But 
It's not. Nobody's offering is little. An offering is a gift to the Lord, and he loves it, and he uses it, whoever we are. One dollar. Mm-hmm. We can, yeah. if, if one dollar can do that, we can start with what we have. Amen. That's so good. That's right. That's so good. Well, I think that's a perfect spot to end. Thank you so much, guys. And, and we're going to have um, John Reinhardt back because there is something on his heart, which is kind of close to this, and we want to kind of dig into that a little bit. So stay tuned for the next one, and, and that will be an incredible time, too. But, yeah, thank you for joining us, John and John. <laughs> you guys have been amazing. First and second, John. That's right. You're first. <laughs> That's right. And um, join us again next time. And if you guys are interested in learning more about the Brinkmans, go online, brinkmanventures.com. Get the episode, Season 3, Acorns and Oaks. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.